The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. There are a few things that most fashion labels could only dream of. Launching on American Vogue, say, or having Kendall Jenner choose to wear and be shot and post to Instagram wearing your clothes twice in a week. Or having one of the world's leading showrooms in New York call you up and ask to represent a collection before you even have a full collection. Well, that is the journey today's guests have been on. Two school friends who started a vintage store together and made a few basics pieces that captured such a feeling that friends, fans and contacts helped make their small project become a runaway success that's now coming to the runway. With this local brand, Paris Georgia, being selected as this year's Mercedes-Benz Presents designer for New Zealand Fashion Week. To talk the show, the journey and what's next... Paris Mitchell Temple and Georgia Cherry join us now. Kelda, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, and first, let, let's hear. So we've got Paris. Hi. Hi. And Georgia. Hello. There we go. Uh-huh. Um, first up, tell us how you guys met. So at school and even doing a fashion class. Our love story. I know. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> um, so you obviously went to school together. Met in third form. What's that, year nine? Year nine? Yeah, we would have been like 13. 13. Yeah. Um, our mums happened to have an apartment in the same block. And then we were at school together. And I think I knocked on George's doorstep yeah. one day. And it was just like, hi, I'm Paris. And um, then the friendship began. And I know, that was us. <laughs> yeah. Was, and then we'd, um, I mean, we would kind of just hang out every day at school. It was just like, yeah, we had a bigger group, but. Totally. It was sort of like mm. us as this little duo. We went to Dio and then we had like a lot of friends from AGS and we would like bus straight to AGS after school <laughs> and meet up with those girls. Like, I know. We were just a duo. Yeah. It was pretty fun. And was fashion something that was always important to you too? Yes. I mean, we did fashion at school. Um, I, I mean, my family could tell you, yeah, like I was always drawing Clothes, shoes, mainly shoes actually as a little girl. Getting the builders at our house to like make wooden platforms on my sneakers and take them to my sneakers. So I think fashion was always like yeah. a thing for me. And, and Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I started like my first internship for Keith Matheson when I was like 13 in the school holidays. So <laughs> 
you know, always something that I really wanted to do as well. And I think when we met each other at school, we pretty quickly, like, we were in fashion class together and from there, we, it's something we've talked about for a long time. Yeah. And after school and into uni and then off overseas, where were you both before you came back to start the label? So I was working in New York. I landed a job at American Vogue there as the assistant to the design director, Raul Martinez. Um, So I kind of, and I guess the position I had was coined as Anna Wintour's fourth assistant. (laughs) Wasn't the official title, but (laughs) hilarious. I know, just the fourth one. Um, so, yeah, I had done my... You got it. So, how, how did you land... So, you know, I landed a job at <laughs> American Vogue. As, yeah, yeah. Anyway, how, does, how does one um, end up working in one of kind of the most coveted kind of workplaces I in know, the world? It's crazy, wasn't it? Um, oh God, it was a gruelling interview process. And it was... I knew Gabrielle Merkin, who um, is a sister of one of my friends who was, a, like, a designer there, a graphic designer there. She told me about this role. So, yeah, just got involved with the... Um, I mean, I created, like, a website and portfolio and things, and I had next to no experience, you know? So I was just kind of, like, trying my best to, you know, have something to show them. Anyway, they like they saw interview process was, yeah, intense, and then, yeah. <laughs> and were you living in New Zealand at the time? No, no. I'd made the move to New York, yeah, before that started. But I had no idea where I was going to end up there, so it was, yeah. It was to, to follow the dream of working kind of in fashion and in, in the yes, world's leading city? absolutely. But I, I think my goal was to more uh, work at a label at the time. So to work for a publication was... Definitely new, but um, it's actually what led me to, yeah, styling and having an interest in editorial and how a shoot's put together and everything like that. Yeah. And how about you, Georgia? I was living in Barcelona. So I lived there for four years where I did my university studies um, and I studied fashion marketing, which like wasn't really a course available here. And I had this opportunity to move to to Barcelona and study at the European Institute of Design. And I just went for it. And it was amazing. So I was there for three years studying. And then I lived there for a year, basically, having a holiday. And then um, came back to New Zealand. And it was really perfect timing. This Paris was coming back from New York. I was coming back from Barcelona. We had both sort of done our university and work experience and internships and like different fields, but same industry. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's when it all began. And what about the bright, exciting lights of Auckland brought you back from those backwaters mm. of <laughs> New York and Barcelona? I mean, it was not the plan. So. <laughs> I know, we I always, know. yeah, we just, I mean, this is the thing. It's sort of like we came back and, and we started what we did. <laughs> And we always say that one of, you know, the most amazing things about what we do is that it keeps us connected to those places, maybe not specifically Barcelona, but Europe and and, and America. Mm. And we love the fact that we can travel and stay connected there. And you can run a business from here. Mm. You know, it's possible. (laughs) Tell me how you started um, the idea for the mercantile and the the vintage shopping. I know. Well, I guess it all sort of started because we were back. We didn't have jobs yet. We were young. We were fearless. And we always said that that was like a big part of, of, of being able to do what, what we did because we were young and there wasn't much to lose. And, you know, 
got to be into win and give it a go. So we came up with um, the idea of selling vintage, but in a really editorial, and then presenting it and communicating it in a really editorial-like sense, rather than sort of just like on eBay or Etsy, which it was really at that time. Mm. I know it's a really popular idea now. And you can see the pictures and they kind of smell like clothing bins and it just looks a bit mink. Exactly. And we bought the pieces, we dry cleaned the pieces, we flew them back to New Zealand and shot them with an incredible photographer and used models and it was very editorial driven, the whole concept. Um, And And it really worked for a while there and it was kind of what, made the range happen, you know, because we were trying to fill a gap in our vintage website to service, like, beautiful tailored basics. And and then, yeah, yeah it's it started the range. <laughs> and how, how many pieces did you start with under the Paris Georgia name, which kind of started out as, like, the last listing on the website and then has just kind of kept sneaking up to then take the whole thing over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, we took the basics off. We were Paris Georgia basics when we first started the idea was to create really essential women's wear pieces to complement the vintage, made in New Zealand, which we still are. Um, but, but yeah, it's totally, it's taken over and the vintage became a lot sort of, uh, you know, the vintage, there was the demand there and we loved doing it. It was just kind of a resources and time issue we had to kind of prioritise. Yeah. It does sound kind of fun to go like, well, well, we'll fly off to Los Angeles and we'll select some vintage pieces. Palm Springs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and and then come home and and shoot them in a way that makes them feel like, you you know, just produced beautiful pieces. Yeah. But is that very scalable? Because I guess once you've sold one. (laughs) Oh, I know. And you've done all that work for one piece. Not the the best business model, but it kind of brought us to where we are. Yeah, and I mean, you know, brought us to where we are, like, you know, creatively and and with the concept and the vision and everything like that, but also funded Paris Georgia. You know, Paris Georgia is a completely self-funded label. We've had no investors. Um, We flew to L.A. with the money between us that we had saved, um, you know, doing kind of part-time jobs in in Auckland. Um, And, you know, the the sales that we made from the vintage funded Mm. the ability to be able to do a sample range, which costs a lot of money. Um, and then produce a collection in New Zealand and sell it to our retailers. And paid for our flights over to New yeah. York to yeah go represent the range over there. Yeah. So. yeah, and tell me about that journey to New York because mm-hmm. the, the vintage label actually brought you in an amazing customer who yeah. was one of the world's most influential fashion people. Yeah, Mariam Nazarzadeh. So she, yeah, you're right, was a top customer for us and then this kind of like relationship was formed and she really believed in what we were doing. And she was like, why don't you guys create a full range? So we did. And then, yeah, she really believed in us. And we, we took it over there. And I think we did within the space of like six weeks or something. Yeah, it was a bit. It was crazy. crazy. <laughs> and it was definitely, yeah, the mercantile that grabbed her attention. Because what we were doing at that point in time was was quite new and different. So, so you had those those six pieces you were saying, like the, the small basics range, yep. and this woman who's you know runs a very influential um, showroom mm-hmm. in, in New York. Had she come to know about the brand? Had you known her in New York, or did she find it through no. your media? So tell me about that first media because the 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 shop kind of launched on mm-hmm. American Vogue, which I mean you had worked there, but that's that's a pretty wild thing to have happen. Yeah, it was. It was so kind of them to be supportive. But I guess it's, you know, it's all imagery related and they like what they see and they supported us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was 
they saw what we were doing as like a, a new concept in the sense of making vintage look really designer, really high end. Um, so that grabbed their attention. And I mean, from there, we were so lucky. We had W Magazine. We had Style.com. Yeah. We had Al. We had just, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that can't just be kind in support because of the, it must have really captured a feeling of the moment that was yeah. of interest. Yeah. And I even stole it back to that imagery because it's funny. You can get really kind of, with your own imagery, you're around and you're surrounded by it so constantly. But that first shoot we did, I still love it so much. Yeah, I think too. it was one of our strongest in its own little way. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And had you had plans to make a full collection? Because going from kind of six pieces that were, mm. um, you know, complementing and filling in gaps to telling the whole story and then making that decision and making it happen in six weeks and then it working. I know. That's, that's amazing. I know. I don't know. We we didn't set out with the basics to make a full range, did we, at all? No, no, was, we didn't. It was such a natural growth, which yeah. was like, yeah, we were really lucky with that. Yeah. What was what was the what were the stories you were wanting to to tell, and what was the kind of like um, the woman you were designing for, and what made it so you could just kind of roll that out? I mean, I think. You know, Paris Georgia Basics, the two pieces that we first designed that we still have in the range that are still some of our two top sellers, uh, the Marnie suit and the Phoebe slip. Uh, Paris designed the Marnie suit to wear to a wedding and I designed the Phoebe slip to wear to a wedding. Really simple using beautiful Japanese fabric that um, we got from local supplier wool fabrics. And I think we did find a gap. I think that we couldn't find pieces that we wanted to wear to this wedding and therefore we went out and, and sourced it ourselves. So it was like very natural, but at the same time, there was definitely a gap that we had sort of found and that was essential woman's wear, really high quality, kind of sculpting the figure, really like a big part of what we do is praise the female form, you know, and I think women were really drawn to that, so... And really beautiful and luxe materials and kind yeah. of drape and feel to it all. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, quite quite kind of like luxe <laughs> and lovely, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yes, sometimes we feel like we need to work on a more casual aspect of the brand, but, you know, that just kind of comes. And how did it go with getting to New York and into the showroom and selling overseas? Like, did you have stockists here or did you just go straight to the international market? Straight to the international market, right? Yeah. Our first stockist that approached us was Desaudre in Sydney. She's a really beautiful kind of like iconic little um, boutique in in Darlinghurst. And she's sort of known for seeking out new designers. We were really lucky. She picked us up. um, And then from there, it was straight into MNZ store, which was one of the most beautiful boutiques in New York. So The Australian market's been really great for us, though, followed by the US. Yeah. And now, obviously, with the Mercedes-Benz Presents, you know, um, opportunity and partnership, we are coming back here to focus, and, yeah, it's really exciting. How much of the business is currently New Zealand versus the world? We were talking about this before. We'd, we'd probably say 70, 30, 30% here, 70% national, but we want to grow here, and this is, like, the perfect opportunity for us. Is that, does that happen very often that New Zealand labels are seventy percent international and then yeah. and then kind of build out the local afterwards? I guess not. I mean, New yeah. Zealand's such a beautiful market in the sense that the consumers here love to support local brands. 
that's something that we really want to get involved in. We're from here. We love being from here. Our clothes are made here. Uh, so no, I think a lot of brands can be solely here and have a really successful, viable business. Um, yeah, so no, I don't think it's typical. <laughs> and how do you do it? Like, how are you physically able to support uh, the activities and the interest and be doing enough stuff that's relevant to the local people that are interested in kind of um, buying these clothes in all of these markets? I mean, we partner with some incredible showrooms. Um, we have one um, in LA that's amazing. And then we have um, a showroom in Sydney as well. And then I guess it's just, you know, it's been a very small team up until recently. We've hired a couple of people. But it's Paris and I, and it's just, I mean, we love what we do. So it's it, it's not as hard as you would think. You're just on it. You love it. You're making these connections. Obviously, with, you know, the digital age that we're living in, everything becomes a lot sort of easier to stay in touch with that global market. Um, and you kind of surround yourself in a community of like-minded people and support each other. Yeah, and we're always pushing to, like, shoot overseas, yeah. working with inspirational photographers and women that have interesting jobs, and often we use them as the models. Um, so, yeah, just always creating content, like, wherever we are, because yeah. we obviously have such a great opportunity to travel, and, yeah. And tell me about the woman, as there's, like, this list of these amazing people who choose to wear your clothes, like, whether they've got it from a showroom or whatever, but they're the kind of people that most people pay enormous amounts to wear them. Um Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, Katie Perry, Georgia Fowler, Kendall Jenner. You, you know, like these are some of the world's biggest names. How do you create those connections? And, uh, yeah, are you, are you surprised when they wear them or do you know what's happening? It's a bit of both, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes you're surprised um, and sometimes you sort of get a lead that it's happening because the stylist will approach you. And, again, it comes down to, to Instagram. It's such an important point of communication for any brand. Uh, it's sort of like your platform to create you know the ultimate vision of your brand with the woman and the clothing and we have stylists approach us and ask and ask to borrow the clothes so sometimes you don't know who it's for and often you know they have so much so many options that it's you know it doesn't pull through but yeah what was some of the kind of um d does that like then turn into more interest, more sales, uh, or is it more awareness that means you get more boutiques supporting you? Do you see kind of like the effect of, you know, when Kendall Jenner, for example, just recently wore the mm. things twice in a week, you know, that's amazing. What what happens to your business after that? Yeah, I mean, it does, it does really help, doesn't it? Um, it really does, yeah. It's actually incredible the influence that these girls have and you don't realise it until it sort of happens. Um, but, yeah, you I mean, it affects you straight down to the, to the bottom line. I mean, sales, we did pre-orders on the Ruffle Bodice, which Kendall wore, and um, because we knew we had to make it straight away. And then, you know, retailers approaching and other celebrities wanting to wear your stuff. Sometimes it's sad, though, that it comes down to the amount of followers or the fame that that person has and that... You know, there's so many more interesting women wearing our clothes too. Yeah. And it it can be a funny one to get your head around. It is a think, funny oh. one, yeah. Because um, there's some women that wear our stuff that really we excite in. us. You know, that are really, yeah. And then you have Inspiring these. Inspiring to us, but yeah. And then, hey. 
comes down to Kendall's followers. <laughs> yeah, and they, they are also amazing business people. And of course. Current yeah. media kind of moguls yeah. in their own right. Sure. These These absolute top Instagram um, influencers, aren't yeah. they? No, we're so grateful for the support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in terms of like um, the stylist community and stuff, like there have been some kind of uh, times when your clothes have been picked up like the cover of the Imprint magazine uh, with yes. the woman sitting on the toilet on the telephone. I know, I love that. Many people might have seen it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Hayley Baldwin sitting on the, the toilet with her um, <laughs> underwear down yes. in your slip dress and talking on the telephone. I mean, and, she'd and, never made it look so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, 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 you know, it was a cover of a magazine, but also it's had hundreds and thousands of likes and shares on the internet and what what does something like that do for your business god that was such a long time ago it really was it's funny because yeah yeah uh what does that do for our business just it helps create traction doesn't it just starts you off gives you momentum that was a long time ago and it's funny to think like did that photo actually translate into sales in a way i mean it would have somehow but yeah everything's a stepping stone for sure but yeah and it creates what relevancy with all the people who you're talking to and other media get interested and yeah. and, and, and so do you cultivate those stylist relationships yourselves? Yes, we try to. I mean we're always in contact with stylists and sending them our lookbooks and obviously agencies also have um, a huge impact with that as well. Yeah, definitely. And I I mean it's just so important that you're always on top of these creative people and the stylists and editors and just making sure that you know like who's doing what because and what they're after like our range plan is you know you've got your wearable pieces you've got you know your tailored beautiful pieces that are classics and remain through the collection then you've got your press pieces your editorial pieces so we're learning about all of that but I think I think we're getting it (laughs) tell us about what a press piece or an editorial piece is that kind of the edge of fashion where you kind of um, have to be extraordinarily kind of confident and fashionable to pull them off, or Honest, and then you've got your more wearable pieces that yeah, are. Yeah, <laughs> or something that can be shot beautifully. You know, you can see it in a magazine. Um, yeah, I would I would describe it like that. Would yeah, you? definitely. <laughs> Tell me about the Fashion Week Mercedes Benz Presents show. Did, had you had you shown at Fashion Week before? No, we hadn't. We did a um, presentation in Sydney for our last resort collection, so that was this year. Um, that was at Fred's, uh, a restaurant in Sydney. So um, we had a little practice run, but that was very much so a presentation where um, we kind of streetcasted the whole thing. So we used like what we call our muses, Paris Georgia muses, which we've got a campaign around. But um, it was it was casting women that wear our clothes. In turn, they they all are friends and know each other. So it was kind of like this this awesome girl gang mm-hmm. we had in Sydney, and it was a little bit of a show. So yeah, we got some practice, but this is our first proper fashion show. Yeah. And are you doing any of those kind of ideas of the the muses in the show as as before? Yeah, we're trying to keep that strong in there for sure, having lots of diversity and women that yeah are our friends and we admire. Um, and of course, like it balances out with models as well. But yeah. Because it makes it kind of more real, doesn't it? There's something funny about fashion where, you know, uh, if fashion was something that was 
uh, doing its job properly and making everyone look great, you wouldn't have to put it on the most genetically gifted people in the world to sell it. <laughs> and then when you get these people going, it's cool, look, it's cool, we paid these people all this money to wear it, so it must be cool. You're like, well, no, actually, like really cool yeah. things are when people who are already cool choose to wear it, and that seems to be something that totally. is really present in what you guys do, you two do as a label. Definitely. It's so. something that's always been like core of our values, and I think it sort of was like our story and how we started with Miriam in New York, and she you know, has this girl gang of really impressive women that are creatives and just like so inspiring. And it's inspiring. like supporting your community. It's Absolutely. like encouraging each other and being supportive. Of, Inclusive. Yeah. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And so what's next for the label? Oh, my God, so much. Ooh, la, la. <laughs> um, what is next? Something's happening locally, which we can't tell you about, uh, but that'll be November, December. Yeah. Um, we have a collaboration coming out with an accessories, so bags and shoes brand um, called Byfar. They're actually um, what they're they're so top selling accessories on Netaporter. Yeah, and then last year they were Forbes awarded them top ten fashion brands of two thousand and eighteen. So they are an incredible group of women, Bulgarian, and we met them in Paris, and it was just this really natural sort of... Progression. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been really kind of lucky, I guess, to... Or, you know, they were buying our clothes, and they love what we do, and we suggested a partnership, so we are the first brand that they're doing a collaboration with. And, yeah, I mean, their stuff, if you're familiar with the brand, is like Beyonce, Rihanna, like Bella. You know, they, they're really the brand mm. at the moment for accessories, so... So yeah, really big one. some shoes and bags with them. That's so cool to be able yeah. to fill out your story as well. As, Absolutely. Um, you know, just starting to do, uh, yeah, handbags, leatherwear, and shoes is a pretty big thing to have to bite off it all yourself, and being able to do it as a partnership yeah. to to learn. Absolutely, because yeah. I would say one of the hardest things about starting a brand is the production and the sampling side of things. And then it's taken care of <laughs> for us with this partnership. You get know? to focus on the design. Yeah, it's such a treat. Which really can is. honestly be just stripped away from you with <laughs> your own range even, you know. Yeah, like what, what's it like like going through that kind of growth in just a few very yeah. short years and um, having to service international markets and travel for them and work on crazy timescales oh, of being in different... The fashion cycle's crazy. And, and, and mm. you would have been working two jobs at the start and yeah. like you, you were just saying that you've brought on extra team. How's it been kind of growing and learning and building out through that process? I mean, we've been able to keep... Because we are so small, like we've been able to have... Like oversee every decision made, you know, which keeps the brand so authentic to us, which is super important and we always want that. Yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, and I think, you know, we've been kind of in a position where exciting things just keep you going. The momentum's happening and you're just, we love what we do. We really, really do. So, you know, every day is exciting, as cheesy as that sounds, yeah, as yeah. cliche as that sounds. <laughs> that it's true. true. You know, you just. And then we think we're like coming up for air and we like to have a little break. And then you're like, oh, no, now we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> next season like, already. Yeah. <laughs> no, we love it. <laughs> Did people tell you it couldn't be done? Like that you you know, oh. you shouldn't start a label and they can't yeah. make it in New Zealand and you won't be able to sell overseas. And when you're young, like hearing that and you're starting and you put everything into this, it is daunting. Definitely people would be like, Fashion's hard, you know. And you're just like, <laughs> Oh 
Yeah. But um And I think they see like two young women and Yeah, I remember hearing that so many times. And I think that's why at the beginning, you know, we was were sort of like playing things down and we're just doing this, that. Like you don't want to be too confident about things because you are yeah, of course it's a genuine concern. But like I said, we were young and and more fearless, fearless than we yeah. would be now. And I think starting something young is such an advantage. I think you're fearless. And I think that's a huge opportunity. And you just, you can't doubt yourself in this industry. You have to be so clear with your vision and and what you want. Yeah. No room for doubt. (laughs) What (laughs) advice do you have for people who are, you know, because I I really believe there's always room. It doesn't matter how crowded or how um, hard an industry is if you've got a unique perspective and, yeah. and the drive. There's, there's always room. Like, what advice do you have for people who who might be wanting to make a dream happen? we come down to, I think, mentors are so important. We're always seeking new mentors. And, like, every conversation you have with someone in the industry is is valuable, even if you just take one thing from it. I think pushing yourself to get as much experience and, you know, because those questions you can't, you kind of can't ask them later down the track. Well, you can, of course, but it's like get get the experience because once you start, you, you know, you can't go do an internship somewhere, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, you could. But yeah, yeah, no, I would say the same. We've had some incredible people sort of surround us, obviously starting with Miriam. <laughs> And that is just, like, you know, invaluable to your brand, you know. So I think, and people kind of get really headstrong and they don't want to seek advice from people, but that would be our one thing in hindsight to them. Like, oh, my gosh, we've learned so much. You know, if someone had told us this earlier, For it all sure. helps. And how do you define success? Like, what will be, if you're know, from looking from the outside, like, I'm totally sure it's been crazy hard, but, <laughs> you know, some amazing kind of results uh, in this time frame and, yeah, what, what will be success for you? I mean, I think there's definitely two layers to success. And, you know, I think we've definitely kind of achieved the most important one, which is loving what you do. Uh, you know, I think everyone's worked a job before that they didn't enjoy, and we know what that's like. You, you know, Sunday comes, you dread waking up on Monday, and mm. I haven't <laughs> had that feeling in years. You know, so for me that's success, um, just loving that. And, you know, sort of the second layer is you know, we have a huge vision for the brand and that's to be, you know, one of the kind of most recognised... It's Yeah, and it, it, yeah, most recognised. Yeah, yourself. like ready to wear sort of women's labels and, you know, when we reach that point, I think that would be another, another tick for us. So we're still kind of, you know, treading along to make that second one happen, but we've definitely achieved the first one. It feels really good. And it's like lifestyle, I was going to say. Absolutely. Choosing something that you love, that works with your li- the lifestyle you want. You know, travel's important to us. We take holidays when we need to. We, yeah, it's lifestyle driven. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Well, mm. thank you for coming and sharing the story today, thank Georgia Cherry and Paris Mitchell Temple. Thank you. Uh, of Paris, Georgia, who are the Mercedes Benz Presents Designers Showing at New Zealand Fashion Week this year. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you to Mm -hmm. Alice Webberdell for producing, and thank you very much for having us along and listening. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound, and brought to you by The Spin Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin Off Podcast Network. That was Business is Boring. 
brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.